0: Welcome to this month's event for the Resilience Thanks Tank. My name is Dr. G. I'm really excited that you're here with us today because we're talking about something that I think is one of the biggest challenges that leaders face and something that no matter what situation you find yourself leading in, in a work situation or in a home situation, it's one thing to decide about change you want to make happen. It's another to get other people to go along when they don't think it's fantastic. Joining me today are three incredible, aspirational leaders. And you're going to see me reading a little bit off my phone here because I'm not in the setting I usually am for this. Uh, I had a change in plans myself when I was headed home yesterday from speaking at a conference in Florida. I got a call that I mean, usually I absolutely love to get from one of the morning shows in New York asking me if I could come in and do a segment, but it was about the violence that happened in the U.S. yesterday in Nashville. And so I was honored to do it, but it means that right now I'm sitting on the floor of a minute suite at LaGuardia Airport. And so you're going to see me doing making a couple of accommodations for my unusual situation. But as I was saying to my guests before we joined you, you can't talk about resilience and then complain about unusual circumstances. Rachel Herma is head of ThinkFun. She's a toy industry leader on a mission to impact the industry and help build MESH, which is mental, emotional, and social health, skills for children through toys and games. And she's worked to make kids' lives more meaningful and fun through her positions, not only at ThinkFun, but before that, at Fat Brain Toys, Elastic Books, and Connect, among others. So Rachel, when you learn about a change from somebody else, when they bring you a change, what is usually your initial reaction?
1: That's a great question. Well, first of all, thank you so much for, for inviting me on. I'm really excited to, to be part of this conversation. Um, I think for me, I I channel my inner two-year-old and I always want to know why. And so I'm actually someone who loves change. I know it's pretty rare, but it's really for me about why. If there's a reason or it's gonna solve a problem, I'm all in, but I have to know like
0: the details behind why we're why we're doing it. That is a very common experience, especially for people who consider themselves uh, to have good ideas. And it's something that we see a ton, although I happen to know, cause I've known you for a long time that you're not, it's something we see a ton from people who were born after internet. Because, <laughs> because after internet, every child who brought a teacher or a parent, a fact or an idea, they said, well, why? Where did you learn it? And why do you think so? And this has been a real struggle for leaders who were raised Gen X or a boomer, because for us, we were taught that when someone tells you to do something at work, you say, sure, and you get it done. And when a millennial or a Gen Z employee says, why? We hear it as resistance. And it isn't resistance, it's actually engagement. Studies show that when millennial or Gen Z employees want to disengage, they say, fine, or whatever, and do it, but they disengage. When they ask why, it's actually them putting a hand in and leaning into a situation like, oh, why is that? Can I help do it better? Do I have a different idea? Or what's your source? I'm curious about that. So that's an interesting, it's really interesting that that's your reaction. It may make your life easier as a leader. (laughs) Okay. Bumi Patak is the COO of Miracy. She's been putting in place structures and processes and execution capabilities focused on aggressive growth in her company. She continues to build the success, team, success, the team, and the infrastructure that's needed to increase scale and impact in order to serve a large and growing community of expertise-based entrepreneurs. Bumi,
2: when somebody tells you
0: about a change, what's your initial reaction?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I wanna second what Rachel said, which is it's really awesome to be here and I'm loving these conversations. Uh, so thank you, Debbie, for hosting them. Uh, when someone, comes up with a change. I my first reaction is probably, well, what are we solving for? I think it's similar to what Rachel is looking to do in terms of understand, well, why are we doing this? So it's like, you know, what is a problem that we're looking to solve for? Um, you know, sometimes change is imposed on us and sometimes it's kind of self created right? So when it's imposed on us, then it's a little bit of, you know, depending on, I'm assuming if it's a good change, people are, you know, generally excited, but if it's a bad change, I probably would take some time to um gather yeah, myself and just you know, come to terms with it. Like uh, when the pandemic hit, and we had to cancel or move our uh, in-person event to virtual with like literally three weeks notice, and we had 400 people register for it. Like that was like, you know, oh shit moment, right? But um, but when this change is self-inflicted, then it's 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 about like you know, let me help me understand what we're trying to solve for here, and um, you know, I might have ideas on how to make it better, or like you know, I want to see the dots connect before I can get fully on board with it. Um, I have people on my team, though, who, you know, when they're presented with a change, they're all super excited and and enthusiastic about every single new idea because they just, you know, they're that kind of people. I don't think I'm one of those people, but uh,
0: yeah. Well, it's really interesting because you said when it's a bad change, then it's more of a struggle. And it is more of a struggle. But the truth is, neurochemically, our brains interpret all change as stressful. So it isn't only when there's a negative and so that can be confusing to us as leaders when we announce something that we think oh everybody's going to love it they're going to be super excited and yet a portion of people still say uh hang on and they need some extra time or they need extra explanation or it doesn't land well that's actually just our brain chemistry saying because our brains have a lot of functions but one job and that one job is to keep us alive and so basically the amygdala with every potential change, no matter how wonderful you won the lottery says, Oh, cool. But could we die though? <laughs> and, and it wants to know what's the risk. And so I think that it can be really frustrating when we think this is obviously wonderful. Hey, you know, extra PPO, more money, um, amazing benefits and to have some fraction of our folks still seem resistant makes us feel like maybe there's something wrong with us or maybe there's something wrong with them and there's nothing wrong with them. It's a reflex. It's just their brain trying to keep them safe.
2: But, thanks for sharing that. That is so true. Like we have, you know, people who are like, well, they're waiting for the other shoe to drop or it's like, you know, what's the catch? Like that's kind of the reaction that we sometimes see as well.
0: Yeah, it's not a character flaw. It's just their brain. Ketan Makwana is the chairman of 77 Ventures, CEO of the LE Group. With extensive career experience in IT, electronics, and healthcare, he successfully launched and scaled and sold multiple ventures. He's in the recruitment and marketing verticals and has served as special advisor to a UK prime minister and a former president. So Ket and I'm imagining other people have had to tell you about change and you've had to handle it the best you could, but what is your initial reaction when someone tells you about a change you weren't expecting?
3: Uh, well, thank you again, um, um, Debbie, for inviting me on. Um, I think, you know, I concur with what Rachel and Bumi have both kind of brought to this conversation. Um, there is one other perspective or angle that um, that comes into mind. I think where you've got the why and uh, the sort of reasoning behind it, I'm also very curious about the what. What is it that's driven you to come to this um, moment that you have to change, or the situation needs to change, or the circumstance needs to change. Usually, change is the very last thing that most people want to do. Um, and um, what's common ab- about change is most people um, are resistant to it because of fear um, and the fear of change. But <clears throat> when I kind of and uh, when I'm presented with a with this kind of situation or opportunity where something has to change or someone wants to change, my initial reaction to it is, is that um, it's not that you fear failure, you fear success. Because um, when things actually go to plan, when your change manifests itself, that's when everything actually really changes. So it's a little bit like, you know, um, we're gonna do this marketing activity and um, we wanna, we want to, be visible to a million people and we want hundred thousand people to buy our product. And then there's this whole and uh, this whole anxiety or animo- um, animosity that's built into our fact of we've we've launched a campaign, how many people have viewed it and you know will we get to that target? But then deep down inside it's what if hundred thousand people really did buy our product? So <laughs> this whole thing of um, what, what I kind of instill into, into the, my initial, <clears throat> initial reaction to this, which then helps me structure my response to it, is what's driving you to, to, to this change? You know, Is it that your back's against the wall now and you can't go anywhere but forwards? Um, is it because you've, um, you've, thought of, uh, you've tried everything else, but nothing that, you, uh, you, that you've been thinking about actually works in this way? Or is it that you feel compelled um, and forced that you've got to, to change? Because whatever those things are, um, the next thing I, I need to understand is, what is it that you fear about what's going to happen in change and what is it that you believe will um, uh, be the factors of success when, when we manifest this change? And my job really is to then, as a leader, is to facilitate that change um, and be able to allow people to um, embrace what success looks like when that change comes through. So more more people are gonna be um, empowered to go through that change with less resistance um, and more sort of, uh, not an opportunistic, but more realistic view of, um, look, this change, whatever it is that we're gonna do, it's gonna come with good and bad. We talked about negative and positive, but if you take the word disruption, for example, you need both negative and positive. Um, you can't just have it all one, way, one particular way. Um, and, and it's within that kind of negativity that actually the change manifests itself. Um, and the, the final part that I wanna to add to, to this uh, thought segment is, is, um, is also helping the, the people, or the person understand um, at what Benchmark, or what point does the, the change pivot from failure or result to success or results, so how do you benchmark that change. Um, um, uh, in terms of what you what you should be feeling what you should be experiencing and and what it's actually done to the environment around you so so they're the, they're the typical things that I uh, I kind of come up against when when i'm uh, when i'm presented with something that wants to be changed.
0: I think for me, the most interesting thing that you just presented that I hadn't thought about this way before is you're saying often when we have metrics around a change, people see it as a challenge, but they also see it as an obstacle, almost like a hurdle they have to clear. And they're afraid they won't be able to do it, but they are also a little bit afraid that they will be able to do it. And what will it mean? But you said, let's talk about some metrics so that when it Turns to success, and you know it turns to success. You can think about how to benchmark what's hard about the success and what's good about it, and that's an interesting way of using metrics to decrease fear and resistance, as opposed to only defer people on for growth and greatness. Mm-hmm. So, Kat, while mm-hmm. I have you, I really want to want to flip it now and say, what if you're the person who's bringing to your team a change? Uh, So it isn't them saying we want to do this change and you're saying, okay, tell me why and where are you at? You're saying there's a change that we need to make. And you right now are trying to grow a a new startup that I know about. You have a couple of other things going on as well. But when you come to, for example, somebody who said, oh, I want to be a part of that and you say, great, the structure of it has changed a little bit or the focus or the uh, way we're going to go about it has changed. Or when you're saying to your internal team, we've got a new stakeholder involved and because of that we're going to shift and they think um uh, that doesn't sound great to me how do you bring them along
3: well the first thing about this is um as a leader my job isn't to uh cater to what you like and what you don't like um you know so you're that
0: kind of dad i get it, <laughs>
3: <laughs> it well the thing is it, it well having worked with leaders like country leaders we get a yeah. situation where sometimes they will bestow upon you they'll turn around and say right do i go left or right and and as an advisor my my job is to actually paint a picture on both sides um you know it's not my job to tell them what to do my it's my job to actually guide them on what to do um the decision they make is the decision they make and i have to live with whatever they do and i think the same uh, works the other way around. If I'm in tr- if I'm trying to manifest change uh, in a structure in a policy in the way that we conduct ourselves within business, my responsibility isn't to enforce the change it's to actually create an environment where my my subjects can actually understand why we're bringing that change in. It's a little bit like to what Rachel said already. And then at the same time, what is it that we're changing? Um, and what is it that we're changing into now? there will always be a situation where people don't like particular things, you know? And I use the old adage of, if you want to make an anomaly, you have to break eggs. The secret is not about breaking the eggs. We know we've got to break the eggs. The secret is when to break the egg um, and 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 how do you break that egg in, in, in this particular uh, motion. So it's important that you are using different ways of communicating to, to people. So communication is the key thing, the, uh, the key factor for me. You know, some people are going to be very um receptive theoretically, so being able to put them into a situation. Others need a little bit more sort of structure put around that. Um, some just need to be told directly that, you know, this is how it's going to affect you in this way, but this is the opportunity that it presents it this way. And we have those types of things that happen every day in, in business and in life. You know, change happens and we have to move very swiftly, swiftly. I mean, one of my Uh, recent uh, startups uh, within my business portfolio uh, works within the sort of crypto blockchain space and that environment (laughs) what changed there just kidding go ahead exactly exactly And, and ironically we are not involved in um in anything like an exchange or we we're not developers we are content curators we bring critical thinking to the to the mass so you know, the environment changes rapidly. So what I've got to have is um, I've got to instill agility into my team, not resilience, agility. And it's, it's more about actually telling them, look, you've got to be open and, and pliable. Um, things will change. It's not to worry about success or failure. It's just to know that at this moment in time, this is what I've got to be, knowing that potentially in five minutes, you're going to have to be something a little bit more different. And then the last, thing, last part I will add to this is um, you've got to lead by example and practice what you preach. I can't uh, be the person, like you said, that type of dad, which just says, look, you know, I don't care about your feelings and then actually uh, instruct you to be a particular way. And then I behave the complete polar opposite. That's the hypocrisy of things. That's what will cast more and more doubt into the into your people, that will create that kind of fear, that unknown, and then what you will have is the, the indistinctive in chatter that goes on in their head and behind the scenes, and that will actually co- create more resistance to you as opposed to what you want to achieve. So, the three principal things here is be very clear about your objective. Um, you know what, why, and what it is that you want to change be able uh, to articulate that um, through um, multiple different streams of communication um, and, you know, paint the picture, put the scenarios into place, be a bit theoretical, be a bit more pragmatic, um, and then actually, um, you know, reinforce um, what you see as the brilliance in the people that are around you, you know, it's not just about, I believe in you, pat on the back, it's more of a situation, look, we've been here before, you've been agile, you know, it's, it's nothing different for you. It's just, you've just got to be, um, you've just got to play a different role in, in, this, in this current environment, which means that once we get through this, you'll be able to go back to uh, to, to different things. Um, and whether I'm, I'm actually trying to um, manifest that change or I'm responsible for manifesting that change, whichever way you want to look at it, whether it's I'm working with a leader or I'm working with a team, those are still three things that are are congruent across um, both both, uh, both sets of approaches.
0: Thank you, that's really helpful.
3: So Rachel, I'm
0: gonna come to you next with this question. And I wanna remind everybody who's in the room that as questions come up for you, please feel free to put them in the chat because we will get to a time where that's what we will focus on. But before we do, Rachel, when you, and you've been in a lot of situations, you've you've helped large teams change product lines, sell different things, sell them differently, talk to different vendors. You've had to ask people to completely pivot what they did when they came in that day and also look at the big picture that they thought they understood for years and years coming into this new person and being like, okay, but what if not? What if we do something different? And I wonder if you could talk about how you can tell when people who are doing their best to be professional are not... Really, on board, and some of the things that you do to help them pivot with the boat as opposed to just throwing them off the boat,
1: okay. So I think it, it it's funny because there's it's I'm learning this sort of more and more and more as i'm as I'm leading groups and and leading parts of companies. But it to me, it comes back to so many things that you learn in the world of parenting. I don't know how many of you guys are parents, right? but if you yeah exactly okay so then you will totally relate to this if there is something that you need to accomplish like we have to get out of the house by this time and everybody has to be dressed like that's our benchmark right like everybody Fence. has to have we all exactly pants or skirts right but so but right. this is where it becomes really important what i've been learning more and more with 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 companies and with teams is that if i can identify what is the end goal And why? Okay, we have to do this, or this is where we're going, and here's why. And then all of the choices that people can control for themselves of how they get there, we present, right? Okay, do you want to wear the green pants, or do you want to wear the purple skirt, or do you want to wear the pink, you know, total outfit with the bunny ears? Doesn't matter as long as you're dressed, right? As long as we can get to that goal. And so, what I've been learning more and more is it's about articulating where we wanna end up and what that change looks like, but then allowing all of the people on the team to have as many choices in that process as is possible that fits them, right? And sometimes this is about processing. Um, I have a phenomenal woman on my team who, who like, takes in information and then sits and kind of like processes it and comes back with these like amazing ideas. But if I in the moment be like, okay, so what do you want to do? And she's like, I need like she needs processing time, right? And then I know that like that gives her the space to kind of figure out and think through the different ideas. And I've got other people on the team who will jump in right away and be like, have one path, which they know is their one path and that's what they want to do. And um I think allowing people to have the space and the ability to make some decisions of how we accomplish that change, if that's possible in the given situation is really, really important. Um, And so I've been learning more and more to just crystallize kind of the where we wanna go and the why behind that so I can explain it and then allow people to participate in the process of getting us there is become a, it's been for me far more successful than trying to either a have everyone come to the same conclusion that we need the change right you doesn't in that work room super well. yeah right exactly yeah. we still have to leave and everyone still has to be dressed um but uh but but not to just dictate it completely where then there's this resistance and this frustration because you're like i don't Maybe I get why we're doing it, but this is so frustrating, and so it really comes back to that moment of saying okay here's where we want to go and here's why, how do we get there guys, you know and, and allowing for as much autonomy and ideas and participation in that process. That's can awesome I just pain. add?
3: Can I just add something on that, which is really only if you're quick. Yeah, very quick. <laughs> and, and 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 basically, the strapline to this is, and this happens uh, to us daily when we're consulting uh, through Seventy Seven Ventures with business owners. Um, um, a lot of people romanticise with the result of change. They, you know, they you you just talked about the fact that this is where we want to get to, and what they do is they get left in the future with, with where that change is. Um, whereas they need to come back and focus on the process um, uh, where that changes. So this is where, you know ultimately, you know, you've set the target. We wanna be out of the house by this time. Rather than focusing on this time, it's then kind of saying, right, okay, do I have a pair of pants on? No, I don't. Okay, what color pants I wanna wear? Okay, and taking that step by step. So being able to break it down and just focus on what's important right now that will lead you to where uh, where you wanna be it is, is a very important factor. I mean, we find a lot of business owners who come to us and say, we want to do a million, million dollars a day, for example. Okay, bad example. But uh, that's, the, that's the example set. And I'd say, yeah, but the problem is your, your head stuck on the million a day. How am I going to get there? What am i going to do? Uh, what... You almost start thinking about how you're going to spend your million dollars right. But how's it you're going to be great when i get exactly there exactly whereas when they focus on the process once once you've established what you what the change needs to have as a point of result you then just focus on the steps getting to that change and that's where the ideas can start to flow certain yeah. things will iterate um, um other things will be discarded um things will um allow you to kind of get that sense of progression and as you move and as you uh, continue to feel like you're moving that momentum gives you more confidence towards um um, accepting and being part of that change
1: but i think the point i'm trying to make is we absolutely need to go through and and have those steps and i usually in my head have the steps i think we need to do but that's the place where i want my team to be able to come in and develop those because oftentimes their ideas and truth are better than mine because they are they live in these areas where we have to make these changes and so it's not that that you know I sort of say here's where here's the end goal okay everyone else figure it out but here's the end goal okay guys how do you think we can get there and create that process together because I find that if everyone feels that they have contribution to how is that gonna look in their world? How can, you know, and and we do that piece together, not necessarily define what the change, the end goal is gonna be together, but we we define the process together, then people have more of a hand in developing it and therefore have more um, ownership when we do get there that they were part of that process and the result.
0: And they can add their expertise about their situation, their needs, their skills and their people. Boomi, you are in a situation where a lot of the people that you are leading are also solopreneurs, right? They are people who come to you as someone who thinks, oh, I'm self-employed. I'm, I'm getting this done. I'm entirely in charge. And now they're a part of the work that you're doing and you need to bring them along when maybe they see themselves as lone wolves more. And please tell me if I'm wrong about your business model. But can you talk about how you do that in your work?
2: Yeah, so we're a very entrepreneurial company. We have, you know, we service uh, people who are entrepreneurs. So, you know, that's who we attract as employees as well. Um, and these, you know, these folks, they come in and I, they really want to serve. They care deeply about making an impact. Um, and so that's, I think, what kind of brings us together at the end of the day. So regardless of what the changes, we're always keeping in mind, like what is, the impact we're trying to create with the work that we do. Um, and for us, it's it's about helping our clients be successful. And so, you know, it all comes down to, is this going to help our clients be successful or is, or is it going to help us, our clients be more successful or not? And so, because everyone is so aligned on like that, you know, who is it that we're doing this for? It, I feel like it makes it easier uh, for people to kind of, um, entertain any kind of changes or that we might be proposing. Uh, and we're always trying to, you know, one of our um, philosophies is that we're always trying to pilot and iterate. So we, we pilot a new program, we pilot a new process, and we look at the results and then we iterate and we change. And so, you know, things are always changing. There's never, you know, still stable ground and people are kind of used to that. Um, but I, But I feel like people you know, when they join an organization or even in life, probably they're looking for, um, they're looking for meaning in the work that they're doing. And they're looking for validation that they are worth it and that they add value and they contribute. And so, you know, whenever there's a change happening, like we want to connect the dots, like, you know, that has been said before in terms of how is this going to impact um, the people that we care about impacting? Um, How is this going to impact the team? How is this going to impact you personally? Um, And then and then helping people sort of create meaning from whatever is happening in terms of like, we're doing this because this is going to help them more likely to be successful or, you know, we're doing this so that um, people can take, I don't know, weekends and, and uh, weeknights off without feeling stressed at work. Um, so, and then also in terms of like, personally, if people are feeling threatened, that's not a great place um, to be able to talk through change and think through, come up with new ideas and think through things. So as much as we can um, avoid hitting sort of that fear survival trigger button, it really helps. So I, I'll give an example. One of the things that we're looking to do right now in our company is that, you know, AI is suddenly become a lot more accessible and it's got a lot of potential for disruption. And so we're trying to um, come up with ideas on a team basis in terms of how can AI help us do our jobs better. And so, you know, one, uh, interpretation of this could be, oh, they're looking to, you know, restructure the team, cut jobs, so that you know they can do more with less, and 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 that can trigger a lot of like fear uh, around it as well. So we've made it super clear this is not about restructuring. This is about how can we do more and be more productive and more effective and more efficient. And so when you bring it to that place, and then we also ramp amp up conversations around like, you know, curiosity and playfulness around. Um, you know, why don't you give it a try and see how this works and, and let us know what you find and let's share best best practices and let's, um, you know, create new processes around, uh, around what's possible and stuff. And um, also when people see it as an investment in them, right, in their training or in their career development, that makes it easier for them to accept uh, change. Um, and finally, you know, you're going to have people for whom it's going to be hard and there's no sugarcoating it um, just because that's the reality. Um, and even when people understand that this is necessary, it can also still be hard for them. Um, in that case, creating space for people to have their feelings and making sure that the managers are equipped to have these conversations with folks and and really listening and really making them feel heard and validating their feelings. You know, we don't have to necessarily agree with the feelings or, the, or, or what comes out of it, but we can, you know, uh, make sure that we're allowing people to express them without going into sort of yeah, but, you know, it's going to be great because, you know, yes, you're feeling this way right now, but um, I think that does a lot. And it, you know, parenting, Rachel, I totally agree with you in terms of like, you know, a lot of what's coming up for me, I'm seeing so many parallels there. So if my 80 year old is disappointed, we're not gonna have a movie night tonight because, you know, dinner took too long, right? I don't have to do a movie night, but I can still empathize with her. I can still, you know, be compassionate, but like, yeah, I know it sucks. I was really looking forward to it as well. And, um, you know, and then just stop there, right? And and then let them just kind of let it out. Um, and, and once it's fully let out, then there is an opportunity to to uh, redirect them to somewhere else, potentially a different conversation. But if it's if, if they're holding it in, if they're not, if the feelings are not being expressed, then I don't think have room for any uh, any kind of possibility to take hold.
0: Someone in the comments mentioned that uh, it isn't just like parenting. It's also a little bit like pet training, but you can't say that. And it isn't exactly because I never let my dog express her feelings. That would be a mess. But I understand what we're saying when we're saying that behavior change takes certain repetition and certain standards and a certain understanding that it is hard to change behaviors. It is hard to have a new goal when you had such great ideas for how to get to the last one. Rachel, what did you want to say?
1: Um, I, I wanted to say just a, a piece off of what uh, me was saying, where it, the, the one piece that took me a long time to learn is just to be clear sometimes, right? And so like, if I'm cutting a product that I know people on my team are passionate about and have spent a ton of time on it, we're just going to cut it. Like the market's not there, right? Um, in the beginning, I would kind of dance around it and be like, well, we're just not, well, I, and I've learned through the process, it's easier to just go, guys, look, the market's not there. We have to cut the product. I know it's amazing, but it's not going to be able to sell. So we have to move on. And and it took a long time as a leader to hit a point where to be able to learn that that's actually kinder to just put it out there and be clean and clear than it was to try to, to couch it in a way that left... Some ambiguity or left some place for somebody to think like oh well maybe next year or something like that you know
2: Um, part of it is it's as big a deal as you make it out to be right so Rachel if you're just coming right out and saying it look this is not working it's not personal it's just people don't want it or whatever then it's not as big a deal as like oh I have bad news I'm going to like you know lay the and so they follow your cue in terms of how to feel about it.
1: Yeah, I think especially when people have spent a lot of work, it's acknowledging that work and acknowledging, you know, we talk a lot in the games industry about the, the graveyard of good games, which is the space where you have these amazing, phenomenal games that just didn't sell, right? And so it's the idea that you can work really hard and it can be an amazing product, but it's not going to fit in this marketplace or we don't have the, the funds to to develop it in the way that it should or pieces like that. Um, I had a comment on also the pet thing, which is I'm really hoping it's not like pet training because I have three amazing children and one really, really, really not so well-trained dog. So I'm hoping that it's not
2: an indication that's because of the level. Are same techniques
0: with a dog? You let like your children help raise the dog. Rachel, <laughs> I want to ask you a question in particular and Ketan, if there's time, I might come to you with this one as well. When you are running a large team that's all aimed towards one thing, right? Everybody's supposed to be aligned, as Bumi was saying, aligned, but they're not They're not entrepreneurs who are, you know, a, all working on their own projects. And you say, here's a change. And I envision it. And I can explain to you clearly in the different ways different people need to hear it, what it should look like. And then when it happens, it isn't like you described it, right? Too many things got in the way, money got pulled, things got diverted. And when people look at it and they say, okay, we're here, but this isn't what you described. And you have to say, you're right, it is not. What do you do to maintain your credibility and keep people engaged?
1: That's a great one. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is to be as transparent as possible all throughout the process, right? And not just wait till the end to be like, yeah, we worked on this amazing campaign and guess what? All the marketing funds got pulled because there was this other major thing that needed it. And so therefore, ours never made it really out of the gate. Going to the great narrative games. Yeah, um, exactly. So uh, it's it's really about being as transparent as possible all throughout the process and also uh, allowing for pivots to happen. as part of that, right? So, oh, hey, we're looking down the pike and we're seeing that there's this major economic issue that's happening. And so therefore this amazing, phenomenal thing we created that's $50, you know what, that's probably not going to sell. So, you know, we need to look at that and say, do we do we hold it for a year? Do we change our tactics? Do we change our strategy? Rather than just kind of let it roll and then it crash. It, it doesn't happen the way all everyone had anticipated it. And so I think it's it's about open communication and transparency all the way through the process and also the transparency to stand up and go guys yeah I was I was totally wrong you know like we had this idea and I thought it was gonna be great and I, I know you guys all got on board and you supported it and I really appreciate that but yeah, I called that one completely wrong and and just acknowledging it you know I mean because I think then it allows everyone else to have that moment for themselves in their own space as well and just be like okay, so we're gonna figure something else out. And what can we do, you know, and, and just owning it.
0: Ketan, do you have something to add to that?
3: Um, just on the fact that whenever we go through um, planning um, and strategy and blueprinting, one of the things that I do build in is risk mitigation. So it's one of those kind of situations where we 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 don't look at it as plan A, plan B, plan C, etc. But we do create this what if this goes wrong? What should we do? What what if goes wrong? What should we do? What, what if this isn't uh, working? What should we do? So what, what it allows us to do is start off with a base for that change. Now, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Rachel was saying there and the fact that, you know, you've got to be transparent. You've got to own it. You've got to own up if things aren't particularly right. Um, but th- th- that is you um, meeting the expectations that uh, are subconsciously in, embedded into uh, your your team the other side of it is recognition and, and and um and awareness um so being able to recognize the efforts that they've they've gone through but if you have something like that a structure where you can say look let's go back to what our operating plan looked like and we 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 accounted for this that if we put this through and the, the price wasn't right and we have to change it. This is what the mitigation strategy looked like. So it allows us to have two or three steps into that change, which, which, which will allow the, the team to kind of become, uh, create a bit of a consensus around that. And we can then ideate, maybe pull on um, a little bit of expertise around, uh, around the table um, to then uh, allow me to then go back into leadership mode and facilitate that kind of change of where it goes. So one of the things that, that I always sense. build in, Yeah. Well, I, I, I did that this morning with uh, with the team at Cryptolytic. We were doing content marketing and I said, right, okay, everyone's going down this line. What happens? I, I played devil's advocate. I said, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And I got them all to come out with mitigation strategies each. And I said, right, okay, let's put that into the blueprint. Now let's go off and do the exercise. If the worst was to happen in rug pull, or if Facebook decided to quadruple the, the advertising budget we show will, or whatever it is, basically, we have a mitigating strategy to uh, work towards.
0: That's really helpful. OK, I want to just touch on a few things that each of you have said that I found to be really useful, although a lot of it was. I want to point out something, a few things that I thought were um, especially unusual maybe that aren't spoken about as much in leadership spaces. Kenton, you said, whether you're an advisor or the decision maker, that you have these three strategies available to you, making sure that your objectives are really clear and then articulating those in ways that are differentiated for different members of your staff, for their different communication styles. And then thirdly, reinforcing the brilliance in your people and how they can use that brilliance either now or as soon as they get on board to make the, make the end goal shine. Sumi, you talked about mission and impact and that finding alignment around missions can really help smooth a lot of differences. And I thought that it was really especially important to talk about how when you talk about people's impact, you're reinforcing that you're investing in them. That it is these people in particular that make a difference, that it wouldn't couldn't just be anybody in those seats. And Rachel, you said that you spend a lot of time recognizing out loud to your people your own decisions, your own fallibility, and their expertise. And that you use those three in in total, kind of braided together to make sure that although you are leading and you are setting the direction, that every place that you can give them autonomy and allow them to bring their expertise to the table, you do that, not only so that they'll agree, but so that, they, that the product will be better than it would have been if you told them not only where they're going, but also how to get there. You all had so much to give us today, and it's really incredible. And before I let you go, we're gonna lightning round. And Boomi, I'm gonna start with you. What I would like to set up here is that we all know, and this is true in parenting also, that the mood of the leader That's the tone. So when you're in a situation where you're leading a meeting or a project or an event or a get out the door, and you notice that your mood is really slipping, that you're getting irritable or frustrated or disengaged or disappointed, and you know you have to turn it around for yourself or it's all going to go south. What do you do, Bumi, to in that moment, turn your own mood around?
2: I mean, yeah, sometimes it's, uh... It's live, right? I'm talking to someone, I'm talking to a team, but I'm not hearing the response that I'm hoping to hear. And then that's really hard because I don't, I, I can't just go for a run or something, uh, but I just notice it. I focus on my breathing um, and slow down. And, you know, just reminding myself that this means that there's still more work to be done. This doesn't mean, it doesn't have to be disaster. It doesn't mean doom and gloom. It just means there's more work to be done. So why don't we take the time? And oftentimes when I remind myself that we have the time, we can take the time even though we may not have the time, right? But just like getting to the mindset of, it's okay, we have the time, that just it immediately switches me because a lot of the stress and anxiety I feel is because I feel like it needs to get resolved right away or you know, it needs to be happening right now. Uh, whereas in reality, we can always take the time if it's important, right? Um, if yes, I have to time,
0: Yes, you're right. It's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ketan, what's yours?
3: Uh, I don't actually, because um, <laughs> I, I appreciate just get
0: your insight. <laughs> I,
3: I am. I just basically what you see is what you get, unfortunately, with me. And, and the thing about this is I'm not a great liar. I can't, you know, if I do lie, it will show up. So if I try to change the mood that I'm in, I'm actually going to uh, create a whole false economy moving forward. So the truth of it is, is I, I I make no apologies about it, but I do apologize about it. I say I'm sorry. I'm in a bad mood. I'm grumpy. I am I'm, I'm just not getting it. I'm probably stupid. But boom 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 boom. Basically, and and I think what that does is it, it allows my uh, the people that I'm with to see that I am actually them more than anything else, uh, rather than robotic. Well, and
0: all joking aside, that transparency might help change, uh, make it less sticky for other people, right? It yeah. might not flow on them because they say oh this is just him and I can make a choice about my mood okay yeah. Rachel how about you
1: so I have a the the glorious space that I've been working in the toy industry for the last 30 years and the thing I tell my team all the time is that uh everything we do is is fantastic and amazing and fun and no one's gonna die so this is where <laughs> you it's funny, Deb, I know I tell you all the time. And I'm like, I don't know how you do your job. If things go wrong, people die in my world. Someone doesn't get their toy or the llama came out purple instead of tan or whatever it is that we're working on. But I think it's really important to sort of keep that perspective and to remember that like the, our goal is to bring joy into the world and like take a breath. If I'm alone, I, I blast show tunes and sing at the top of my lungs, which nobody ever needs to hear because I don't have the skills in those areas, but to, like just bring back the humor and bring back the perspective and, and, and take a breath and relax and laugh and, and start over.
0: So we talked at the beginning of this conversation about how our brains are wired to be resistant to change. And what happens is our amygdala pushes out all of these negative difficult to navigate chemicals that raise our heartbeat and make our breathing faster and make us have, feel sick to our stomach when we really feel threatened. And often people will say, take a breath. To make taking a breath useful, you first have to be able to turn down the volume of the amygdala. So by thinking about some of the things that you've all been mentioning today about what choice do I have? What are we really here for? We're here for the joy. We really do have time. I really can bring my honesty. That turns the amygdala down. And then those deep breaths are because our lungs and our kidneys, so drink a glass of water, are how we clear those chemicals out. So thanks, you guys, for being a great example of all of the neurochemistry that's happening when we have to navigate change. And thank you to everybody who's here with us today for being a part of this event. I hope that you'll join us next month. And I look forward to talking to all of you again. Thanks, everybody.